Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Hey, we are right in the middle of a series called Rebuilding and Restoring because we believe that God can rebuild and restore whatever it is that you need rebuilt and restored in your life. Well, Pastor, my marriage is a mess. We serve a God who can rebuild and restore. Well, Pastor, my finances are a mess. We serve a God who can rebuild and restore. Well, Pastor, my emotions are a mess. We serve a God who can rebuild and restore. Whatever it is you're facing today, we serve a God who can rebuild and restore. The Word says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that you may have life and life to the full. And so as we've been talking about rebuilding and restoring, we're just simply walking through the book of Nehemiah. And so if you're attending every week and you're wondering, well, I wonder what pastor's going to preach about next week. I'll give you a cheat sheet. What's next, okay? We started in chapter 1. Today we're in chapter 6. The first week we talked about how God has a holy ought or a holy purpose for every person, which means you. You're not a leftover part. You're not a spare part. You're not an accident. You're not some leftover piece. You're not just a person wandering aimlessly. God has a purpose for your life. Then chapter 2, we talked about how to take steps of faith. And if you miss any of these weeks, you can go online and listen to them on the podcast or watch the videos on YouTube. Uh, talk about how to take a step towards your God-given purpose and how no matter how big the, the task that God puts in your hand may be, our God is bigger. Which, by the way, our God is bigger than whatever you're facing this morning. And how to deal with opposition. And what do you do when the opposition comes from the outside? What do you do when the opposition comes from the inside? And today, I just have, there's certain parts of Nehemiah that are like famous like if you're going to read the cliff notes of Nehemiah, there are certain things that would be in highlights. And today is one of the most quoted statements from Nehemiah. And so if you're familiar with, this, with Nehemiah's life, you've heard this sermon title before. The sermon title is simply this, I will not come down. Would you say out loud with me that statement this morning? Are you Marcus, set, go. I will not come down. If you've heard Nehemiah's story, you've probably heard that statement. And you may be wondering, well, what does that statement have to do with me? I'll tell you what it has to do with you. What God is doing in you and through you is too important for you to push eject on. The need that you're believing God for is too big and too important for you to give up on. The people that God's placed in your life are too big and too, are, sorry, too important for, for you to give up on. The mission God has you on is too big and too important for God to give up on. But I can tell you this, no matter what your purpose, your mission, your plight in life, no matter where God has strategically placed you, which by the way, He has, no matter where He has strategically placed you, here's what I promise you. The enemy of your life and the enemy of other people's lives are going to try their best to talk you out of, to talk you down off of the mission of God. He did it to Nehemiah. We're going to read about, and we're going to see how it applies to us as too. But our response must be the same as Nehemiah's response. When the enemy tries to talk you out of doing the will of God, you must say, I cannot come down. Here's how it happened. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 1. The word came to Sanballat. Tobiah, those are, uh, we were introduced to these names earlier, a few weeks ago, and every time their name is mentioned, it's always no good. It's always, it's always bad news bears when, they, when they're mentioned. 
And it says that Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall to where not a single gap was in it. And if you'll remember, the reason Nehemiah is building this wall is because in these days, if your city did not have a, a strong wall around it, a complete wall around it, then you were sitting ducks for the purpose of the enemy. In other words, anyone who was out to kill, steal, and destroy you could do so at their own leisure. A city without a complete wall was a city who had lived at the mercy and had to live on the leftovers of the enemy. And I want you to, if there's one thing you're learning through this series, I hope you're learning this. God did not create you to live off of leftovers from the enemy. But God has a passion and a purpose for you that he wants to pour in your life. And he wants your life to have sound integrity so that you can receive and, and store up and benefit from what God is putting up to you. And so Nehemiah has been rebuilding this wall, but Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem had all been working against them. And so in verse number two, they tell Nehemiah, come, let us meet together. In one of the village of the, of the pla- on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down for you? Verse 4 says, four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. The fifth time, Sanballat sent his age with the same message and in his hand was an unsealed letter. And I'll just tell you the rest of the story. They begin to make up lies. They said, Nehemiah, if you don't come down, we've got these letters that we're going to send to the king and tell him that you're trying to build your own kingdom, that you're trying to lead a revolt against him. They begin to make up lies on the enemy. Because here's the thing. If the enemy, can, the enemy will try multiple different ways to get you to come down off the wall that you're standing on for God. He is trying, if pain doesn't work, he'll tempt you with pleasure. If the truth doesn't scare you out of obeying God, he'll make up lies to talk you out of obeying God. He's going to do whatever he can to get you to come down off of what God's called you to do. So Father, I pray and I thank you for this word today that it will not return void but it'll go forth and accomplish in each of our lives exactly what you meant for it to accomplish. I pray that today you'll anoint me above my own ability to speak the words of God and the words of God alone so we can hear and respond to what the Holy Spirit would say to us. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. Nehemiah has survived an 800-mile journey to come to Jerusalem to build a wall. He has survived people trying to attack him with their words and threatening to attack him with swords. He has survived chaos and strife inside the people of God that he's supposed to be leading. And now that he is at the place he can see the light at the end of the tunnel, the enemy comes again. And this attack comes, if you'll read it, this attack does not come in the form of we're out to get you. This attack comes in we want to fellowship with you. We want to spend some quality time with you. We want to begin a relationship with you. We want to, the enemy had tried to attack him head on, and so now he comes with a different, a different uh, schedule. Now he says, you know what, since, since we couldn't destroy you, let's just make friends, let's become buddies, let's, let's spend some time together, let's be people that live in peace with each other. And so this attack is a lot different from the other attacks. All the other attacks in, in Nehemiah's life came as either an outward attack or an inward attack, but this attack comes in the form of an offer of friendship. 
Not everyone who wants to be your friend really wants to be your friend. You picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Not everyone who says they're for you is really for you. Sandballot, Tobiah, Gosham, they all show up and they're, they're pretending to be on Nehemiah's side. But Nehemiah is smart enough to know that if it's from these guys, it's probably not good for me. You know, James says it like this. He says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again, James says. If you want to be a friend of this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Nehemiah, when he receives this invitation to come and go to the land, I love how it says he's invited to the plain of Ono. And I just thought, when the enemy invites you down off the wall, just say, Oh, no, I'm not going to the land of Ono. Oh, no, no, oh, no, oh, no, that's not me. Nehemiah says, Oh, no, I'm not coming down off the wall because you're acting friendly to me. Did you know the enemy often, I know there's sometimes when he comes against me, I mean, do you, does the devil ever show up and you just know it's the devil? Right? But sometimes when he shows up, he shows up trying to be my best friend. He shows up trying to offer me things that sound pretty good. I mean, Nehemiah has been building on this wall for we don't know how long. It took him 52 days to build it. And now that everything's done except for hanging the doors, I mean, I'm sure he was ready for a break. He was ready for a little bit of peace and R&R. Probably sounded awesome. But Nehemiah is, is, is keen enough to understand that if it's from the enemy is not for my good. Friends, we have to understand that if it's from the enemy, it's not for our good. The Word says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. In Him, there is no shame. There is no compromise. There is no regrets. Friends, if, if it's not from God, it can't be good no matter how it looks, feel, or taste. I'm hoping today that we'll leave with a recognition that what God has for me and what God has for you, and what God is doing in you and through you and for you. And one of the problems we have is that there's people listening to me right now in this room that think, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I'm, just, I'm just here today. God's really not doing anything great through me. My testimony really isn't that important. My life purpose I'm not even sure what it is. I really can't articulate it. And if that's what you believe this morning, you have already begun to buy into the lies of the enemy. There is no such thing as an inconsequential believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So once you choose to make him your Lord and your Savior, you're going to follow him. And the moment you receive him, what you do is you just stepped in to a created purpose and work for God that he's been reserving for you since the foundation of the world. You're not, you're not the new kid on the block when you come to Jesus. You're just the kid that showed up to do what God created you to do. So there's no such thing as, well, I'm just here. I'm just a, I'm just a side item. I'm not, I'm not on the main course. No, 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 no. You, just as Nehemiah, his purpose is so evident for us because he had to literally build a wall. Your, your purpose, it may not be clear to you every moment, but it's clear to God and it's important to him. So I just want to challenge, challenge you this morning. Don't come off the wall. Don't give up on what God's called you to do. Don't give up believing for what God's called you to believe for. Don't give up on praying for those that God's called you to pray for. Now here's my first point this morning. Don't expect your commitment to God 
to go untested. Sometimes we think, well, if I'm doing what God calls me to do, I mean, hey, you know, you know maybe, you, maybe you came to Pastor Dave or you went to Pastor Crystal or you went to Pastor Addison and you say, you know, I just felt like God's called me to serve in youth ministry. I feel like God's called me to serve in kids ministry. Or maybe you went and saw Donetta and you feel like, hey, I feel like God's called me to serve in hospitality. Or maybe the Lord put on your heart that you're supposed to be the salt and the light to those gentlemen and those women that you work with on Monday through Friday, which we all have been, by the way. Maybe you've come to recognition of that that, that idea that I'm supposed to be a, a, you know, a city set up on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. And, and maybe you've kind of started to rally around that in your heart. And you say, yeah, God, I'm really going to serve you. I'm really going to witness for you. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. And now that you begin to do what God's called you to do, maybe you're giving, maybe you're living, maybe you're loving like God called you to live and give and love. And all of a sudden, like Nehemiah, you find out there's people who are against you that you didn't even know existed. Welcome to the party. Right? Welcome to the party. But understand that anyone's faith that's following Jesus is going to be tested. I like what one preacher said years ago. He said, an untested faith is an untrusted faith. Until your faith has been tested, your faith cannot be trusted. See, our faith is not a box we click on our social media that identifies us as Christian. Our real faith is what, where the rubber meets the road, where our feet hit the sidewalk, where our mouth makes the words. That's where real faith is. It's what we do every single day. And Nehemiah said, I can't come down. Even though his faith was tested, he knew where he trusted. First Peter says it like this about when our faith is tested. He said, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Would you say this phrase with me? For a little while. Anytime your faith is tested, you need to remember this test is just for a little while. How long is a little while? I don't know. Sometimes my little whiles have been five minutes. Sometimes my little whiles have been five years. But here's what I know. What's on the other side of my little while, Peter says, is I'm going to come out better than I was when I went in. I'm going to come out with praise. I'm going to come out with glory. I'm going to come out with honor. And when Jesus comes again, there's going to be a great revelation of what all this was about that I didn't understand. Friends, when you are serving Jesus, your faith may be tested, but if you'll stick with it, it'll become trusted and it'll deliver you to a life that you had no idea was even possible. And I believe that there's something to be learned from this, this moment that Nehemiah has. Sanballat, Tobiah, these people show up. They show up when the wall is built. All he had left to do was hang in the doors. Have you noticed that football season is coming? Right? It's coming. We're like weeks away, not months away. We're weeks away. And if you will watch, guys, I hate to ask something of you, but guys, I need you to watch some football. Husbands, in a few weeks, just tell your wife, listen, pastor asked me to do this. I need you to to watch a game of football for me. Can y'all guys please do that for me? Please? Okay. Now, here's what you're watching for. Ladies, you can do it too if you want to. At the end of the third quarter, almost every team, you will see the whole team 
put their hands up. Eddie's already doing it. And they're doing this. Why do they do that? Is it because they can't afford a scoreboard? To let people know this is the fourth quarter? No, they put their hands up and they put up four fingers saying, hey, this is the final 15 minutes. And we're going to live or die according to what happens in the next 15 minutes. Legends are either made or forgotten by what happens in the last 15 minutes of a football game. They all raise their hands to remember, to remind each other, hey, what happens in the next 15 minutes determines the, what, how we're known forever. So it's a big deal when they hold up. Four, when Nehemiah was attacked on the wall, I believe him and all the other people, they, now they didn't have football in those days as far as I know, but internally they were doing something like this. Hey, listen, we are in the final moments of, of this thing. we got to see it to the conclusion because how we finish is so important. Church of Jesus Christ in 2022, I believe that our Heavenly Father is standing in heaven doing something like this morning, saying to the church, hey, listen, these are your final hours. You can not just say, oh, we got plenty of time. We'll serve God next year. We'll do something for Him next year. No, today is the day of salvation. This is our final hour, and it should be our finest hour. Our final hour should be our finest hours. Sin Ballot realized he showed up in this fourth quarter moment of building the wall because he realized something. If I don't take Nehemiah out right now, it'll be too late. Some of you are wondering, why is the devil fighting you so hard? Because he knows how close you are to victory. You're wondering, why is he coming against you so hard? Because, yes, it's not just the Razorbacks that do this. Right? Every team is doing this. Every team understands how high the stakes are. Listen, let's not be the only people on the, on the field of life that don't understand how high the stakes are. John chapter 9, Jesus said it like this. We must quickly. That's what this means in football. We've got to quickly. We, can, we, we don't have three quarters anymore. We've got to quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. For the night is coming when no one can work. So the first thing, listen, don't expect your faith to go untested. But develop a trusted faith. Number two, don't take what the enemy offers. Sanballat and Geshem gave them this message. Come on, let's meet together in one of the villages. But they were scheming to harm me. There comes, uh, thank you, there comes a time when, where Nehemiah could have said, you know what, this is a great time for me to take a break. They could probably finish this by themselves. But he said, no, 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 I'm not going to walk away from what God's called me to, to do. If the enemy cannot talk you out of the wall through pain, he'll try to talk you off your wall through pleasure. So, Sam Ballot, we are, we are learning earlier chapters. He could not take Nehemiah off the wall. He couldn't get him to abandon his call because of pain. So now he comes and offers him pleasure. If he can't get off the wall for pleasure or pain, maybe he'll get off from pleasure. So he begins to 
invite him to come and take something that would be great, a rest. Time away from these people he's been wrestling with. But I want to remind you, I said this a few minutes ago, that if it's from God, it's good. If it's not from God, it's a trick. My dad was an avid, avid fisherman. And when he retired, he had more time on his hands. And so he would actually, he would actually build his own fishing lures. Anybody in, the room, you, anybody in the room tie your own jigs and make them from scratch? One guy, we got one true fisherman in the room, right? No. Um, but, but that's what he did. And, and, and I cannot tell you how many times I would be on the, be in the boat with my dad. And he'd be in the front seat. I'm in the back seat. There's only like, it's a small boat. There's only like four feet between us. And how come he could catch six fish when my pole is up there like two inches from his and I'm catching nothing? And eventually I would notice I'd pick up my line and what was on my bait, on my string, was different than what's on his string. So you know what I do? I'm, I'm not real smart, but I'm smart enough. I would switch and I'd figure out what are they biting today? What do you call those things anyway? What do fishermen use? A lure. You know what lures do? They lure you. You know, what the, you know what the enemy's doing today? He's trying to figure out what will lure you today that didn't lure you yesterday. And he doesn't try to lure us with attacks. He tries to lure us with pleasure. So we got to be more than just looking on the outside of what looks good and feels good and tastes good and what other people say is good. You better see what's on the other side of the string today. Who's the source of this thing in front of me? I don't care how glittery it is, how much it shines. If it's not from God, it's not going to be good. My mentor always told me, anything you compromise to gain, you will ultimately lose. Because it's not from God, it's not going to last. Apply that to your relationships. If it's not from God, it's not going to last. Apply that to your finances. If it's not from Him, it's not going to last. Finance, apply that to your businesses. If it's not from Him, it's not going to last. Well, Pastor, you understand this is great. This is wonderful. This is not. If it involves you to compromise, you're going to lose. Well, Pastor, I'm going to be the exception. Really? You're going to be the exception to God's Word? I love how you're shouting now. Here's the thing. Sanballat called to Nehemiah, and he said, come down with us. Come on down. Do you know any step away from the will of God is a step down? It's a step down. Number four. I'm sorry, number three, how about we do that? Number three, don't minimize the great work God is doing through you. I alluded to this a few minutes ago. Some of you think, well, what God is doing through me is not that important. Oh, yeah, it is. Moms, ask your kids. It's important. Dads, ask your daughters. It's important. Husbands, ask your wives. It's important. See, if you're a grandparent this morning, the great 
the work that God has for you is too great. If you're a dad this morning, the, God, the work God has for you is too great to give up or back up or go the other, other direction. If you're on the student ministry team, the work that God has for you is too great. If you're on the kids' men's team, the work that God has for you is too great. If you're trying to be a witness in your office space, the work God has for you is too great. God has strategically all, placed all of us in families and communities around the church and around the kingdom so that we can make a, a, a most impactful influence on our culture like never before but we have to understand that i am strategically positioned where god has me to make a difference and so therefore i cannot come down from following jesus a step away from what god's called you to do is always a step down number four don't let enemy attacks wear you down four times four times they sent Nehemiah the same message. Four times trying to, trying to tempt him away from following God. And by the way, spiritual people receive real temptations from the enemy. Right? Even Jesus was tempted three times by the enemy. When the first lure didn't work, what happened? He tried something else. When the second lure didn't work, he tried something else. When the third lure didn't work, that's why the word says, do not think it strange, my dear brothers and sisters, when you face trials of all the different kinds, but understand that your brothers and sisters of the Lord all around the world are facing the same types of temptations. But understand that whenever you're tempted by the enemy, the Lord is with you and he will provide a way out for you if you do not give up. That's what the word says. And so Nehemiah is being tempted over and over again. And the Bible says the reason that he was being tempted over and over again was the enemy was hoping if I can't draw you out I can wear you down that's why Paul said to the Galatian church don't grow weary in well doing for in due time you're going to reap if you don't give up I know I've shared this with you before but there's been interview after interview of people who have interviewed people of faith who have had great moral failures in the public spotlight. And people have been asking the question for decades, why? Why would someone who God is using so greatly sin so grossly? And without fail, the answer is the same no matter the sin. And the answer always sounds like this. I was so weary physically exhausted mentally exhausted spiritually exhausted pastor are you saying that's an excuse no it's not an excuse i say it to bring awareness that none of us are above the enemy wearing us down if we don't keep our eyes and our hopes on him so no matter how Bad, he's trying to wear you down this morning. Don't let him wear you out. Stay on the wall. Number five, Megan, if you want to come, it'll trick people into thinking I'm, I'm about done. The regulars know I'm not. But number five, here's the last, the next, the last thing Nehemiah teaches us. If you want to see your life rebuilt and restored, don't run from attacks. Whether they come in the form of pleasure or whether they come in the form of pain. Attacks sometimes come through the voices of strangers, and sometimes they come through the voices of friends. But no matter 
whether they're in the voice of pleasure or pain, from the voice of friend or foe, don't run from them. Nehemiah, when he received these repeated attacks, he asked this question, am I such a man that I should run away? Here's what I've discovered. If you run from today's attack, you get to face them again tomorrow. There's no, there's no escape button from the attack of the enemy. I, I, was, I was reading a few weeks ago on leading people to Jesus and how to share our faith. And, and one, of the, one of the people I was writing, reading about, he made this statement that I've never heard before. And he, he was encouraging people like you and I who are going to share the gospel with people. He said, just go and be up front with them and tell them it's the most painful thing and the most exciting thing in your life, serving Jesus. How many of you say that's true? Serving God is painful. Pastor, serving God has never been painful to me. I'm not sure if you're doing it right then. Do I need to expand on that? Jesus said, if any man's going to follow to me, the first thing he's got to do, the first thing he's got to do is what? Deny himself. Take up his cross. And follow me. Denying yourself is never like, woohoo, I get to deny myself today. No, denying yourself is painful. And denying yourself is not what you do one day, it's what you do every day because Greg shows up every day. And I have to deny myself and follow him. So I can't run from attacks. I have to deny myself and follow him. I read a story of some soldiers, I'm sorry, actually some scientists. Back in 1990, I'm sorry, 1941, 1941, when Hitler's armies were blockading Leningrad, which is today St. Petersburg, they had blockaded the city for so long, I think they actually had that city locked off for over a year, maybe close to two years. And inside this city was a group of scientists who were harboring what is known as one of the world seed vaults. It's where they had seeds from all around the globe in this vault. And the main thing that was going on in Leningrad and in that community, they were blockaded. Was people were starving to death. They couldn't get sources inside. People were literally starving. And those nine scientists took that vault they were in with the world seeds and began to blockade it. Wouldn't let anyone in. People were trying to get in to steal the seeds so they could plant it and have a harvest or just eat it. But the scientists said they weren't going to run. There were people that actually suggested, why don't you just get out of town, just, just sneak out, abandon your post and run. They said, no, no, we can't do that. These seeds are valuable. So when the war was over and they finally got into that place, they discovered all nine scientists had died guarding those seeds without eating them. And one statement I read said something as high as 30% of the seeds in the U.S. that we use for growing our food today, our food today came out of that vault that those guys refused to run from and refused to eat. What am I saying? I'm saying you and I are benefactors today 
because 60 years ago, someone said, I'm not going to run from the enemy and I'm not going to eat my seed. Somebody today needs to understand, when you're standing for what God put in your hand, when you're just being obedient to the call of God on your life, whether, no, they weren't on the front page news then. Matter of fact, the most recent article, the first article I could find about these scientists was like in 1990-something. For 50 years, they went unapplauded. But can I tell you, when you decide to stand for God, instead of running from attacks, all of heaven applauds you. Because here's what happened. I want to skip down to verse number 16. Nehemiah stood. He wouldn't come down. And here's what the word says. When all of our enemies heard about this, and all the surrounding nations heard about this, they were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. You know what happens when you stand your ground? When you say, I am not going to come down from what God's called me to do. I am not going to come down from the convictions that God's put in my heart. I'm not going to come down from believing the word of God over my family. I'm not going to come down from serving him in his church. I'm not going to come down from giving what God's called me to give and loving those God's called me to get love. When you stand on that wall, when you stand with a conviction in your heart, something happens. It's not that you just discover God is with you. The world around you begins to discover that God is with you. There's something happening that man or that woman, they're surviving and thriving when they ought to be dying. But God is with them. Friends, well, the, world, the way the world's going to see Jesus Christ is when you and I decide, I will not come down. Come pain, come pleasure, come sacrifice. I'm not abandoning my post. I'm not going backwards. I'm going to stand for what God has put inside of me. Church, we've got to stand for what God has put inside of us. I want to beg you, don't come down off of that wall of faith. Don't come down off your wall of service. And don't come down off your wall of commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen? And today, if you're willing to say with me, Pastor, I'm not coming down. Would you just stand across this room today? I'm not coming down. Whether he tempts me with pleasure or with pain, I'm not coming down. Whether I stand alone or if I stand with many, I'm not coming down. Why? Because your work for God and God's work for you and in you is too valuable. And here's how I want to pray. I, I, a lot of times I ask you to pray things with me. Today I just want to ask you to receive this prayer. Father, I praise you for every person that's standing in this room today. There are people that have decided They've made a predetermined choice, which is the best way, Lord. The middle of the battle is not a good place to make a decision. Our emotions get in the way. Our circumstances speak too loud. But God, before we get in the battle, is the perfect place to make a stand for you. And so, God, whether we're in the battle or the battles around us or the battles before us, doesn't matter. God, I pray today as people are deciding they're going to stay on that wall, they're going to stay faithful, they're going to stand for what you put inside of them. I pray that the work you're doing in them, would be, just the importance of that work, would be so evident to them. I also pray that the instructions and the decrees that you've given them for that work 
would be obvious. The convictions you have for them while they're doing that work would just become obvious to them. Lord, that you've called them to stand up, but also stand out because you have a work for them to do. The work is too great to blend in. The work is too great to go backwards. The work is too great to come down. The work is too great to take a break from. The work is too great to be in and out. The work demands my best, so I'm not going to come down. And God, as they stand on that wall, as they stand for their families, as they stand for their faith, as they stand in prayer, as they stand in faithfulness, and they stand in loving and giving and sharing, God, I pray that today that not only they experience the manifest presence of Jesus, I pray as those enemies of Nehemiah could see the work of God was undeniable. I pray that the community around us, those around us, the unbelievers around us, would have an undeniable, undeniable witness of Jesus through us. So I pray that our families are those cities set up on a hill. I pray that our, us as individuals are that light that cannot be hidden. And that as they stand on the wall, Lord, you would draw people to yourself because we're standing for you. Empower people from the front to the back to stand for that and walk that out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you believe that today, would you give the Lord a hand clap today if you receive that today? We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. So, Father, bless the people today. God, bless them and keep them. Let your face shine upon them. God, I pray once again for those this morning that came for prayer earlier. God, I pray your healing power continue to flow in them and through them today. I thank you that there's going to be great and mighty testimonies of what happened through moments of prayer in this place today. So, Lord, bless us and use us this week. In Jesus' name. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.